The healthcare industry has undergone transformational change in the past 10 years, especially as it relates to the implementation of technology. Even so, there's much more to do and many companies are out there doing it, but you don't know about them. At Intrepid Healthcare, our podcast will bring you the crazy ones, the rebels, the troublemakers, the ones who see things differently. The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer. Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with another telehealth trailblazer, this one in the rehabilitation space. We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by Ted Spooner, Chairman, CEO, and Co-Founder of RespondWell. Ted, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. So good to have you today. Thanks for making the time. Before we start our discussion, could you take a few seconds and tell the audience about you and your background? Yeah, you bet. So I don't have the typical healthcare innovator background because I didn't come out of healthcare at all. I actually came out of financial services. I was really lucky in that I got the opportunity to be a really early innovator in uh, the development of online banking systems across the U.S. and, and ultimately across the world and developed one of the first online banking systems that delivered financial services to the desktops of uh, Microsoft employees. So it's a very odd place maybe to come from in healthcare innovation, but we've found out as we've started to look at tele-rehab that a lot of the lessons we learned in how financial institutions transform themselves to thinking about delivering service to their customers instead of their customers coming to them, that that same kind of story is playing out here in healthcare as healthcare institutions think about allowing patients to participate in their own care much more directly. Perfect. Could you now take a couple of minutes and provide our audience with a 10,000 foot overview of RespondWell? Yeah, you bet. So we are a, a maker of tele-rehab solutions. So that essentially means, let's say that you're about to get a total joint replacement, let's say a total knee. And in that effort that begins with, obviously, you and ends with you, the better equipped you are physically to sustain the surgery and then the better your therapy and more consistent your therapy is after the surgery, the higher the probability of a good outcome. And you're vested in having a good outcome as is your your payer, your, your insurance company, and your doc. So being able to get access to therapy before the surgery is a solution that we provide for patients in home. And then being able to get access to therapist-directed therapy at home, in addition to therapy that they might be providing you in a clinical setting, but having it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, really at your fingertips is what tele-rehab means to us and we think to the patients that are using our system today and will use it in the future. Perfect. You position RespondWell right at the intersection of healthcare and technology. Is this what also motivated you to pursue telemedicine and telehealth? I'd like to say it was, but I, to be honest with you, I came at this quite by accident. 
when I finished developing online banking systems and took that company public and ended up selling it after delivering and building very, very large-scale online banking systems for banks like Chase, I wanted to do something completely different. And so I started a game development company. And that game development company developed the world's first fitness game for the Xbox. And then we went on to develop other titles for the PlayStation and for the Wii. And when we did that, we encountered this challenge of getting people to really plug into their own health and to stay with it, to, to really adhere to their fitness programs. And we, we originally built the product primarily for women because they were the biggest buyers of fitness video, and we were kind of transforming fitness video into interactive games. So when we started to look at the development of some of the sensing capabilities that were coming along with Microsoft's Connect sensor, some other sensors that were being developed around the globe, and, and wearables, we saw this data, this biometric data that was being thrown off, and not just for health purposes, but for a variety of other purposes aside from fitness. So not just for fitness purposes, but for health purposes as well. And so we really looked at what we were doing and said, I think there's a big opportunity to create a whole platform of tools for healthcare providers to prescribe care to their patients but to prescribe it to them in a way that would allow them to really control how they used those tools, both in terms of the data collection that came out of using them, but also the care prescription that helped them get better. Great. I'd love to do some stage setting with the next couple of questions about just the state of the market. Could you talk about how you see the future of self-care and consumerism of, of healthcare? You know, that phrase, self-care, is is it's really catching on. I, I think it's a really good description of what's going on today. But the idea that a patient is so much better equipped to be able to understand what's going on with their own health care and with their own health, and they're so much more invested in that outcome, in the taking control of their own health, I think that's the driver really for the consumerization of healthcare. It's we're entering an age in which people are just so much better informed and have access to so much more information that now they can really turn that information into something that's actionable. And so I think the idea that you're going to arm them with applications, with apps on phones, with uh, capabilities that exist in other kind of computing devices, with wearables, feeds that right exactly at the nexus of this better informed consumer and then really underwrites this transformation that we're going into self-care. You mentioned all this better information. What role will data play in improving healthcare outcomes? Data is only as good, obviously, as the transformation that you can do with it, the interpretation. And so the raw data that comes out of your wearable or the raw data that comes out of a device that's in your house that senses your emotion or senses if an elderly person senses whether you've fallen, that is kind of the maybe a backwards-looking way of thinking about data because it collects it in ways that might tell you something perhaps that you already know, that you don't feel good or you've fallen. Turning that data around into prediction and using that data as a way of saying, you need to make changes now or else you're going to end up at this place that you don't want to be, I think is the most important aspect of what people talk about when they talk about data, certainly in healthcare, that it has this predictive value. 
and we're really just beginning to see real innovators using that data for that predictive purpose. Great. I love that answer. How is a doctor-patient relationship changing now in healthcare? I think the leap that most people can make is that it creates distance or maybe some depersonalization of that relationship. In our experience, it actually does the opposite. And it does it maybe because of the approach that we take, but that doctor's overwhelmed. And we're seeing more patients in fewer minutes every day. And so their ability to really understand what's going on with their patient just in that 15 minutes that they're spending with them in an exam room or only spending time when they're really not doing well really just doesn't give them the ability to have a perspective on that whole person where the information collection that is done with technology, especially when it's transformed into useful information and actionable information, allows them to be a much more plugged-in caregiver to that individual because he really sees them across a different spectrum of their experience. And so I think the technology makes the doc better in that context. What are some other tech advances in other areas of care that you're either working on or are keeping an eye on? There are different timeframes. When you think about technology, especially when you're as immersed in it as we are, There is a lot of work being done, if you follow technology broadly, in uh, both the emerging world of virtual reality and augmented reality. And those are generally referred to as VR or AR, and this might be going a little too deep. Essentially, the ability for somebody to wear a device, essentially a set of glasses, that puts them in a world that challenges their limits in a way that's safe for them. So you can think of an elderly person who's maybe post-hip surgery and you know they're at home and maybe they don't have the same kind of support that they should have in their recovery and they want to return to their life and they want to get back to the things that they love most and, and that might be taking their dog for a walk. It might be walking to the library. It could be really just getting around their house without the risk of falling and refracturing a hip or a femur or an arm. In virtual reality or augmented reality, you can place them in a space in which they can practice those movements that they would need to be good at to navigate their house or to navigate getting out to the sidewalk, but in a way that they weren't at risk of getting hurt. And so you can put a couch right in front of them. It's not really there and they can navigate around it. But if they have an issue, obviously they're not going to trip over the couch because it's not really there. It's a hologram. And I know that sounds very Star Trek-like or a little science fiction, but the fact of the matter is it's a reality and it's being used in gaming technology today and it'll be used in healthcare tomorrow. That's probably three years out, maybe even five years out, but the kind of technology development necessary to prepare for that is really starting today. Bill, that's so exciting to me. It always comes back to me on this show. I blew out my knee about a year ago. And as I think of that future three years from now, or maybe a little longer, where a doctor can prescribe therapy for me and can monitor and get results back into my EMR of how I'm doing and make adjustments 
much more easily on the therapy. Because what happens today, unless you're a superstar athlete, I think, is I blew up my knee. At some point, I could now go and do therapy. And so I go to the therapist and they schedule me for six weeks. Well, I'm an overachiever. And I told the people at physical therapy, I'm going to work seven times as hard as anybody else. Well, within two weeks, I was to the point where most people are in six weeks. But there was no way to get the data back to my doctor, and there's no way to fix that system. A system like this that could give real-time data and make it easy for then my orthopedic doctor to alter my regimen or maybe cancel my therapy altogether because I've reached a certain point just sounds amazing to me. Well, I think that's the point. I think you've really hit on the gold that we're digging for here, and that is, can you personalize? Because not everybody is like you. You're probably in the top 5% in terms of the way people are self-motivated. And we see patients like you, but on the edges of that whole care spectrum. But can we help people achieve your result or something even similar to your result by giving them a little bit more motivation, by giving them rewards or incentives, or by just even giving them better information or their family, their caregivers, more information so that they know that that kind of result is achievable. And while it might cause some pain or it might take a little more effort, I'm sure the dividends that it paid for you and your life were enormous. Ted, how do you guys go to market? Who's your customer? We've got two primary groups. One are orthopedic surgical businesses and the physical therapists that are traditionally treating their patients after surgery. And we deliver our product through those two businesses, both orthopedic surgical business and the outpatient physical therapy business, by selling to them directly. And that's where the bulk of our customers are today. So that's kind of one set. And that's true for us because orthopedic surgery generates over 50% of all the physical therapy referrals that exist in the U.S. And that's it's just an enormous, enormous space and, and growing. And the reason it's growing is kind of the bridge to the other space that we occupy, which is geriatric physical therapy. Big chunk of orthopedic surgery and a growing chunk of it is around total joint replacement. As you and I age and maybe your listeners age, they've got a choice coming that their parents didn't have or their grandparents didn't have. And that is when they wear out a joint, it can be replaced. When it gets replaced, they've got another 10, 15, maybe even 20 years available to them in mobility that their parents or their grandparents didn't have. Just the rate of growth and knee replacements alone is almost 700% over the next 20 years. It's incredible. And so as we see geriatric therapy to a very large degree, centered around falls prevention and falls therapy, if we can get those individuals in a better place, mobility-wise, because of joint replacement, address the therapy needs that they have as a result of joint replacement, that might be a contributor to a reduction in the risk associated with falls, although it's, it's more complicated, obviously, than, than just joint replacement. But it's an aspect of it that carries over into what we do. You mentioned the midterm future, but what's next for RespondWell? What new can we expect to see from you as we head into 2016? We're really focused on scaling the business. We've established some good partnerships, but growing 
a business in a space like today is just, it's, it's exciting and it's challenging. Just a few days ago, CMS came out with a pronouncement around the way they're going to reimburse associated with joint replacement. And that reimbursement is going to be quantified based on the total cycle of care, the total episode of care. So that means pre-surgery and post-surgery. And they're going to reward providers who deliver better outcomes based on their investment across that whole cycle of care, that whole episode of care. And they're going to penalize providers that don't. So the fee-for-service reimbursement model that's existed for years, effectively as of April 16th of 2016, is over. And it's going to be a brand new world. And so our ability to deliver our product into this very dynamically changing environment means we have to grow. And in 2016, that means both through partnerships and through our ability to get out in the marketplace, let people know what we're doing, get on the ground, and actually make a difference for patients. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. We're about to wrap up here for today, but before I let you go, where can people go to contact you and learn more about RespondWell? The best way is respondwell.com. We also have a Twitter account and a Facebook presence as well. And so if you go to respondwell.com, you can find all those things and find out how to contact either me or any of the management team for RespondWell. Perfect. Ted, thanks so much for stopping by. It was a great pleasure to have you today. Thank you. Absolutely. That wraps this broadcast. On behalf of our guest, Ted Spooner, I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare. Mm -hmm.